0: Russia's offensive seems like it is continuing to stall, but the U.S. is now starting, according to some rumors, to pressure Ukraine to take the fight to the Russians sooner rather than later. I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It's February 15th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay, first we'll look, of course, at the control map, and as we can see, there is very, very limited... uh, russian progress uh you can see here just some some level of push into these open fields you can see that they are attacking more to the west than to the south uh pushing somewhat into uh Pereskoivka. Um, as we've talked about this highway i think is going to be a natural ukrainian um uh uh, obstacle to russian advances and would form a a natural uh barrier but as you can see uh there's a lot of open terrain and russian forces continue to struggle to cross it um it's high risk and oftentimes a highly casualty producing uh proposal you can see here uh, ukrainian forces continuing their withdrawal from this salient under considerable pressure um It's not clear to me where Ukrainian forces will end up uh, locating, right? Forming a defensive barrier if they lose this uh, roadway here, um, simply because there's not a a logical way to connect some of these urban strong points. Um, When we look to the south, of course, you guys can see uh, no real changes to the territory control in Bachmet. Um, The other interesting part is that actually outside of Donetsk City is where we are seeing at least some more robust Russian attacks. Um, There's just not a lot of effort. It's small, small gains over very limited uh, value territories outside of Marinka, but this is really what we're... the. The, this is what Russia's big offensive is looking like. Uh, when we look over to the uh, combat map, you guys can see Russia is is attacking uh, across many fronts, again, continuing to push near Davorichna to no effect, uh, continuing to push near Savote, of course, along the Krimina-Lyman line, and is doubling down on their efforts outside of Bakhmut and Solodar. Um as well as actually quite robust um, attacks around Donetsk city uh, Volodar, which according to some news reports actually represents uh, Volodar is, is, is supposedly an entire Russian uh, naval infantry. So like their Marines, uh, naval infantry, I want to say it's like a brigade has been almost eliminated to a soldier. Um, you know, I looked at some pretty dramatic footage that was supposedly of one of the graveyards outside of this Naval Infantry Forces base. Uh, pretty stark uh, reminder of just how high these casualty rates are. You also, of course, are seeing it to the west in Pretchnevka uh, um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but you can see that for all of the high volume of activity, by russia there's very little territorial changes in fact war mappers reporting no notable changes since uh in the last 24 hours but here's where things get more interesting first off um according to one ap nork poll um support among the american public for providing assistance to ukraine uh has softened somewhat um And 48% of Americans, right, say they favor the U.S. providing weapons to Ukraine. 29% are opposed, and 22% are neutral on the topic. Um, Of course, as of in the three-month mark of the war, 60% of U.S. adults said they were in favor of sending weapons to Ukraine. So a significant flip. about 30, only about 37% of Americans favor sending government funds directly to Ukraine, with about the same number being opposed. Uh, you know, it's one thing to send uh, old military weapon systems, it is another thing to f- entirely subsidize uh, that effort. Uh, as one a respondent pointed out, you know, he's sympathetic to Ukraine's situation, but feels like we need to take care of priorities here at home. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, there is a trade-off. Um, and as countries have a harder time with economic conditions like inflation, um, it can really make it hard to justify uh, U.S. tax dollars supporting allies overseas. Um you know, recently we've had some inflation data indicate that inflation is not, not beaten by a long shot. Um, and that U S consumers are continuing to feel the squeeze. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, low information opinions on how the government, how the U S government's handling it. Um, yeah, but, Uh, One interesting take, as my opinion evolved, I came to wish we had offered more to Ukraine sooner. Uh, We have done a drip, 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 and I understand why it is we were hesitant, but we are now beyond that point. I think uh, this is actually a good take. Um, So some of it is it depends on what you want. If your goal was to actually bait Russia into an unwinnable conflict, uh, dripping aid into them, teasing them, with the idea that Ukraine was actually a a beatable opponent and stretching this into a year long war. While every time you think you're making progress, Ukraine simply becomes more and more dangerous is a good way to destroy the Russian military because think it would actually be more efficient if Russia invaded and then was pushed out of the country in 90 days with a huge surge of total lethal aid. Um, Russia would actually have a more intact military than it does right now, where you just have huge mobilization, reserves, equipment, manpower uh, just being ground out you know at the ninety day mark people thought that the Russian military had been set back a decade, um, but now I think you 're looking at a generation uh, really before the Russian military is capable of uh, engaging in serious uh, combat operations especially outside of the uh, russian border uh, but when we look at the institute for the study of war they have some other interesting statements right uh, defense secretary lloyd austin said that the ukraine contact group their 54 member states will continue to support ukraine in the long run uh, pledging to support ukraine's fight for freedom over the long haul and including supporting a spring counter-offensive. And the administration will announce a new aid package in the next week. Some unverified rumors indicate that that may include fighter jets. Um, Again, fighter jets, something that the U.S. is cycling out of its arsenal, the F-16, most likely, uh, because it's going to be replaced with the F-35 and F-22, a.k.a. the balloon killer. Um, so, it, you know, but support can mean a lot of things. Support can mean high tech weapon equipment. It can mean moral support. Uh, and the more countries decide to provide, you know, moral support or nominal support. Um, but that's not, you can't win a war with good feelings. Uh, you need lethal weapon systems. And so that's why it's somewhat Troubling that the Washington Post is reporting that U.S. officials have privately signaled to Ukraine that Western security aid to Ukraine is finite. Um, and U.S. officials are trying to impress upon Ukrainians that the U.S. government can't do anything and everything forever. Uh, this is this is very true. Um Supposedly, these U.S. officials are stating that Western aid packages, uh, the most recent batch, represent Kiev's best chance to decisively change the course of the war. And I think this is very, very true. Um, This sort of, uh, you know, aid package. eh, The U.S. government, of course, can't do everything forever. Uh, That shouldn't be the expectation. But, you know, the U.S., prior to this war, had spent about eight years uh, training, mentoring, uh, assisting, providing defense assistance to Ukraine, giving them some basic level of modernization. Um, Obviously, nothing like the aid they've received since the invasion. But what's important is that the, uh, what's important is to understand that this conflict did not begin in February of last year, and it's not going to end, even when sort of it's out of the news cycle. Uh, the fight over the Donbas region has been going on for the better part of a decade now. Crimea nearly as long, and this is likely, in my opinion, uh, this is represents a strong escalation, a massive escalation in the conflict. But it is not. It is a continuation of the same political problem. And after the conflict ends or leaves the public consciousness, you're still going to have, I think, these sort of questions lingering. Uh, You know, I I honestly, if you asked me to uh, place a bet on how this war is going to end— Uh, I think that Putin, this offensive will cause him to lose big. There are rumors actually that um, he is going to be giving some sort of address on the 21st because the Federation Council rescheduled their extraordinary meeting uh, to February 22nd, which implies probably that there is some event that he, he will announce some sort of change and then the council will want to appear to be immediately getting right on it. And I think what you'll see probably is this offensive fail. Maybe Ukraine will launch their own spring offensive to some effect. And I think Russia will have to make some hard decisions. And I think those hard decisions will include withdrawing from Kherson Oblast, and instead simply deciding to hold Crimea, uh, withdrawing from Zaporozhye Oblast, and trying to simply hold these two pieces of territory, Donetsk Oblast and Luhansk Oblast, um, and then the, Locking them down into small fortresses and simply declaring them uh, to be part of either Russia or an independent Russian aligned state. Um, and while Ukraine will officially contest this much like they have officially contested um, that they are the rightful owners of Crimea and most of the international community agrees uh Verbally, that, that Crimea is Ukrainian. Um, ultimately, if you're not willing to put up, if you're not willing to eject the Russians by force, then functionally, it's not right. It's 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 Russian. So I think that's what you'll see. You'll see the Crimeification of Luhansk and Donetsk Oblast. You'll see a withdrawal from the rest of the region, and Ukraine will uh, be pressured to accept that if not sign a peace treaty, then at least sort of internally accept that they're probably not going to get enough aid to really flip Luhansk and Donetsk. That's my thesis uh, as to what's going to happen with this. Um, but again, the other thing is that Western uh, reporting indicates that many of these countries have concerns about Ukraine's determination to hold Bakhmut. We've been talking about this for weeks that the tactic or the op the strategic advantage that Ukraine has in Bakhmut is that while for Russia and the Wagner group, Bachman is a symbol of their effectiveness. They have to take it. And for Ukraine, Bachman is just one town of many that they must defend in this war. And so at some point, as we've said, Ukraine should conduct a withdrawal from Bachmet when they have forced the Russians to pay a sufficiently high price. And they can continue this withdrawal, uh, minimizing their casualties while maximizing Russian casualties. And I think that at some point... Bakhmut became more than that. They became more than just a, 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 you know, a town in the lower quartile of strategic value. It became a, a symbol of Ukrainian tenacity in the face of Russian aggression. And once these things become symbols. That's how you get meat grinders. When you have things that politicians feel they cannot lose no matter the cost. And when you have that mentality about something, rational calculations about how much of your firepower and forces and casualties you're willing to take in that conflict, um, once you leave those behind, once those notions uh, take on the sort of quasi-religious virtue of, of symbolism, you're Your ability to do good tactical calculus goes out the window, and that is a really valid concern. I I agree completely. I think turning Bachman into some sort of symbol is pointless. I think Ukraine should uh, absolutely—every day, the withdrawal from Bachman should be on the table. Again— Especially if it's going to precede a major counteroffensive, right? It's hard to argue uh against, right? If if you withdraw and simply Russia moves forward and then the line stabilize, it looks like a loss. But if you withdraw and you also at the same time or within a couple of days, break through Russian lines in a major way, um elsewhere, that is that is just good tactics. So Anyway, that's more or less all we have for today. Of course, guys, as always, if you're interested in supporting the channel, um, you know YouTube actually recently demonetized and age-restricted one of my daily updates. Uh, still haven't really gotten a firm answer as to why, but understand that that is why the Lieutenant and Colonel Tier patrons and all the patrons of Patreon uh, make such a difference. And once a week, I break down all of the week's viral combat videos, the intense, high-intensity stuff that YouTube will never would never let me show you. Um, they give us really good insight into sort of the reality on the ground, almost in real time. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, this week, we looked at some of the failing Russian tactics in Volodar and saw just how hard it is for Russian forces to cross some of this open ground. Um So anyway, thanks again. Links in the description. I'll see you in the next one.